As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Oh man You're listening to The Leaf Report Oh man, oh man Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel And at Myrtle yeah, I Okay, welcome to The Leaf Report Playoff Podcast uh, We're going to spend the whole time talking about 2013 Playoffs! Very good, Shane Oh, look, I put it off the, broke the recording device <laughs> And probably anyone listening on headphones Okay, so the truth is we actually started recording this podcast once, and that didn't work. So now we're going to repeat what we said the last time. Which always sounds way worse. Sounds it, the bad. second time's always the worst. But basically the point is we can't ignore 2013. Uh, right. Just because there's there's components of both teams that are the same. Like you had it five players in your story? Is it Five Leafs and six Bruins, if you if you count everybody. Okay, so that's that's a storyline. But the two teams are also completely different. Right. And I think there might be a surprise for like Leaf fans to know how different the Bruins are, even from how they were in past years. Like, you got into it in your story on The Athletic uh, a bit, and how the Bruins have kind of changed and gotten younger and brought in all these young pieces. They drafted really well. There's yeah. a, like Ryan Donato's a really good player. Charlie McAvoy's obviously a very, very good player, one of their top two defensemen. The you look at their their lines and the production they're getting from who is it Heinen and like they just they have a lot of players that don't get talked about a lot around the NHL that are that are very very good and that's why the Bruins had 112 points their young players aren't as good as the Leafs young players but they also haven't been picking you know they don't have like six guys that were picked in the top eight in the draft well and I was looking at um, I'm doing a story about the Bergeron line and you look at like David Pasternak doesn't get, like that's a perfect guy who doesn't get talked about. He was drafted 17 spots after Nylander, three spots after Kapanen. Um, and, like, you look at his production first or the last two years, it's top 20. It's Probably because he's small, right? Like another guy that they thought was too small. Yeah. and like I, the, I honestly think that that Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak line has a legit case to be the best line in, in the league, especially if you just narrow it just to, to even strength. They're probably the best... 
They're probably the best even strength line in the league. If you look at possession this year, I think they they're right there. The the one line that's really good is the one in Calgary with Kachuk, Froelich, and Backlund. That line possession wise is awesome. Um, but as far as like how much offense they get from that line, um, how difficult they are to play against. I think they're right up there. In Dom LeCision's uh, playoff preview, he compares the two rosters and the Bruins. Basically, Matthews is the only guy on the Leafs that matches up to those top three forwards on the Bruins. So according to his numbers on it, um, the Bruins have better high-end talent, which I think would surprise a lot of people, and that's not something that... But you know, by the numbers, that first line is really, really deadly. But I guess the difference is the Leafs have some pretty dangerous players on other lines. Yes. Um, and I'm, if I'm Mike Babcock, I'm probably thinking if I can slow that Bergeron line down, I've got a really good chance. That's obviously either easier said than done. Well, like, they have to worry about that Bergeron line slowing them down too. Like, you know, that's, yeah, and that's really the – like. so we can get into that uh, right now. Um, so in Boston, you can bet games one and two – uh, Bergeron will play against Matthews, and Kadri will play against Krejci, right? Yeah, and I, Babcock, I'm sure, will try things to get Kadri out against the Bergeron line as much as he can. Yeah, but there's 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 just not that much he can do. Um, and what's interesting is, like, I was looking at the numbers. Matthews really hasn't played against Bergeron a lot at all. Like, I think over the last two years, and obviously he's only been in the league two years, it's like 13 minutes. Mm. Uh, because obviously Matthews missed three games against Boston this year, uh, and last year he wasn't getting the matchup. He wasn't getting the matchup, which is like really fascinating. If you go back to last year, uh, he had a three assist game against the Bruins in February, and he didn't get Bergeron. Well, first half of last year, Matthews wasn't was getting sheltered, but it wasn't even the first half. This was second half, right. and Claude Julien chose to use Bergeron against Van Riemsdyk, Bozak, and Marner, and so Matthews played against Krejci, won the game or won the night with three assists. Um, but now it's different. Like, now you look at that game that they played against the Bruins. I forget when it was. Uh, would it have been February? Yeah, it was February. Uh, and Matthews, that line did nothing against Bergeron. Like, they, they own them. So, I don't know. How do you see that kind of play? The, the matchup game is going to be really fierce because Cassidy, the Bruins coach, is a really, really aggressive line matcher, and he'll change on the fly. And mm-hmm. and Babcock is too, but I think Cassidy is even more so. I think he might be. He's probably one of the top four or five uh, in terms of, of being aggressive with matching lines. So it's, it's obviously going to be a storyline. Um, I think what they're going to do is they're going to target the right side of the Leafs' defense. I think they're going to target when Roman Polak's out there. I think they're going to target when the Bozak line is out there and potentially the fourth line too, depending on who's on it. Uh, it looks like it's going to be Komarov, Plakanich, Komarov. And, and, and Kapanen. Komarov. And I think that they, they, they the Bruins are going to try and get their first line out at points against those weaker lines and weaker defense pairs. But like Polak's not going to be able to handle... Pasternak and Marchand along the boards. Like I'm not sure Riley and Hainsey can handle them. That's a good point. Yeah, and that's like when you look at the numbers of Bergeron the last couple of years against uh, Toronto. I can bring it up for you, but he's like it's like 60 percent possession, 60 percent right. shots. Right. And you look this year, uh, goals for, goals against, five nothing for the Bruins. It seems to me too that the way that Hainsey plays and what his strengths are, he's kind of he's a he's a tall guy with a longer stick that. That can break up passes and, and, and plays and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think that he matches very well against that line. I don't think that what he is good at, like those guys are fast, they're really good with the puck, really smart, tight passes, good yeah. cycling. Like they're gonna be, they're gonna be moving the puck down low, around the Leafs blue line a lot. I think that's what makes the line so so hard to stop. They're kind of Sedin, Sedin like a little bit. I use Sedin like in my story. Well, I'm going to just steal everything the, from your story. You can just steal everything. But yeah. so one of the things that Hainsey said um, that came to mind when he was thinking about that line uh, is they just kind of know where each other is, just like Sedin's. And like if you think about it, and I get into this in the story a little bit, Bergeron and Marchand have been playing together a long time. Like they were playing together in 2011 when when Boston went to the Cup. They were playing together in 2013 yeah. when they faced the seven Leafs. years ago. Like yeah. it's a really long time to play together. And and Dominic Moore, who, who played with Boston last year, said like they just have all these little set plays, these set reads. Yep. Uh, Hainsey yep. was saying like Bergeron will go to specific spots or Marchand will go to specific spots on the ice just to get set up to shoot because he know the, knows the other guy's going to find him. Like, that's really difficult to You almost against. want two defensemen who are really good skaters against that that group, and the Leafs don't have that. Like, they don't, they're not going to have a single pair that has yeah. two good skaters on the back end. Well, like, I'm thinking of, like, a pair that might do okay against them. Like, would Orlov Carlson do okay against them? They're just, I just think they're... Orlov right. usually plays with Niskanen, though, right? Right. So, okay, so I have that wrong. I meant Niskanen and uh, Orlov. Yeah. Just because they're both good skaters, both sturdy. Yeah, good defensively. Get, good defensively. But I guess the difficult thing with that line and why they're so good, they're not that big, but they're really strong. Like, they're hard to push off the puck. They're really skilled. And they're pretty fast. Like, they kind of have all the boxes You know, checked. who cares how big you are if you're, like, like, if you have good balance and you move well, then it's, like, Marshawn's a perfect example. Like, it doesn't matter. Height is not that important in hockey. You're saying height doesn't measure heart? Yeah. As someone who's six five, <laughs> I feel like height hurts me playing hockey. It just like it makes you less agile, and your your balance is harder. And sure, but I think where it changes obviously is in Toronto um, when Babcock can get the matchup. And if well, they got to win one of those first two games, right? Uh, yeah, you don't want to come back down too. Obviously not, but like it changes. Like, and if you look at the games in in Toronto, they actually did okay against the Bergeron line, and and that was Kadri. And Kadri's kind of like. He's a pretty good foil for Bergeron just because he's yep. not that big either, but he's sturdy, he's strong, he's feisty. Yep. Um, I think the Leafs are going to want Kadri to be in Marchand's face and want to get him going. And Yeah. I mean, you want Kadri scoring goals, though. I mean, look how many... Like, he's been a huge part of the offense all year. You don't want him just to be the, well, and that's the what pest. He said. That's what he said. That's what Kadri said? Yeah. The, the, the coaching staff probably said to him. him is, like, you need to play offense. Which is easier said than done. But, like, this line, the one thing that's different now is this line is different. Like, when you have Marner on that line, suddenly you are more dangerous yeah. offensively, but you're also... He's their Pasternak. Yes. Yeah. I guess, yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Marlowe is not the same as anyone on that line. No. But you know what's interesting? Like, it's interesting to look at Marchand just, like, how he's become, like, one of the better players in the league. Yeah. Like, his numbers. Like, he had 85 points in 68 games. Yeah. Um, second round pick right yeah and, yeah. he was a guy in the Quebec League pretty good numbers but no one was saying this is a superstar and I think that he's worked really hard to get to where he is well and if you remember like he wasn't one of and I should add this to my story and I will he wasn't one of the first 16 guys selected to that World Cup team if you remember and then they ended up bringing him because they wanted him to play with Bergeron and he was and, great and Crosby he was awesome yeah and that was like right before his breakout he has this great tournament he scores five goals he scores the game-winning goal in, against Team Europe 
And then he has 39 goals during the regular seasons. He's like a Hart Trophy candidate. He gets that big contract, and he just does it all again this year. Like, that's just... It's going to be hard for them to stop. Leafs fans are going to... They already hate him. They're going to hate him even more after this series. That's that, There's one of my predictions. Leafs fans are... He's going to become public enemy, like, number one above... Do you think there's going to be, like, a contract? 2013, play? people didn't like Chara. They didn't like Lucic. Well, Marshawn was... This. Marshawn was... But now, yeah, right. He was a pest, but he wasn't... Right. A top player. Right. And now he's both, which is... Yeah, yeah. what's interesting, like, if you look back at that 2013 line... Uh, I think I have this right. Uh, it was Lucic with Marshana Bergeron, wasn't it? No, I, was Sagan still there at that point? I think yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, so but they were using. I him. checked for game right, one. Right. And game one, it was uh, Sagan, Marchand, and Bergeron. Okay, which is a pretty good line. And Lucic was with Krejci, right? Okay. So, but like the differences in the, in this team. We did it. We talked about 2013. We apologize. But we did. We, did. we should have like a buzzer we hit or but something. But so like we can we can discuss why this team is so much different. Like I. I was going over some of the line combinations from that 2013 series. They weren't that like the Leafs D was this. That that team was the Leafs D was a joke. It was a joke. We didn't know it at the time exactly. Like Gunnarsson is a third pair guy because like we know that now. We can see that Fanuf is at best like a number four. Right. Even five years ago, he's probably a three or a four. Man, they spent a couple games in that series playing Ryan Hamilton with with Kessel and Kadri. That ain't good. They played Fraser McLaren and Colt Noor on the same line with Jay McClement against the Bruins. Yeah. So this team is way deeper. But even like... Mike Koska played 22 minutes and 22 seconds in game one. Mark Fraser played 24 minutes in the first game. And as he pointed out, both out of the league. Jake Gardner... Is Koska out of the league? No. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's over... I I think he's over in Europe now. He played in the AHL. I thought he played in the AHL a bunch this year. Well, maybe... Nice guy. Mike Koska was a great guy. Local local guy. Good story that made the Leafs. But the thing that worked against Mike Koska is they played him on the top pair. Like, he was playing huge minutes a lot of that season. And it was just like he was overwhelmed. The crazy thing, too, is that Fraser gets the puck to the forehead in that he's out. Yeah. Koska breaks his finger. He's out. They were, they were man, they had a bad D. played in that series? They had a bad D. Lyles was still on the team. They had bad D before they had all those injuries. But Gardner became the star. That was one of that was like kind that of was a fascinating point. He only played twelve games in a regular season, and then well, we, and we, we said we weren't going to talk about this, and now we're. Well, that, we, we have I, to talk know, about the differences between the two. teams. I was thinking about it, Jonas. Like I think that that game seven is the most memorable thing I've ever covered. I've covered the Olympics where Usain Bolt won gold medals. I've covered Stanley Cup, a couple Stanley Cup finals. I've covered all kinds of things. I think that series is going to be we're going to be talking about that game seven because you and I are neutral parties. We're not. Sure. We weren't devastated by the Leafs losing that series. No. Just as like someone who loves sports, who loves to cover it, who does this every day, that was just like an amazing to be there for that was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where were you when it came undone? Were you down in the press room? No, I was upstairs. I stayed upstairs the whole time. So I came down. I think I came down at right at the same time as Dave Nonis came down. Yeah. Um, and then there was a bunch of people in the press room watching the game and everybody from Toronto was talking about like booking flights to New York and everything like that. And then they scored once, and you're like, eh, it's 4-2. When it was 4-2, I started working on my other story. But so what's different about this team is is obviously they're way more talented. Um, I just didn't believe, like the, I didn't believe in that team. I didn't all season, and then somehow they kept it together. Remember the last month of that year, that regular season, how brutal they were? Well, the philosophy of that team and that organization was like, let's just get in, and then anything can happen. 
which is like completely the opposite of how this team is built. This team is built like they play this tagline at the ACC all the time where Mike Babcock says, we want to be a team that knocks on the door every single year. And that's like the philosophy. Like you don't want to just be this flash in the pan. Yeah. You want to be a team like year after year. You know what I year. really like about the way that Shanahan and Babcock talk, Babcock especially talks about it, is that they want to have so much depth that they can have a they can have like their top players get hurt and they still make the playoffs. Well, and you saw them take a step with that this year. Yeah, but they like like their bar, their bar, the old Leafs, the bar was like it was so pathetic. It was like what you know Montreal and Ottawa are doing now or whatever. Like it was the old bar was ridiculous with what they were doing. This team's bar is, you know, they had 105 points. They're like we're not where we want to be. Right. We we want to have we want to have five Andreas Janssen sitting there ready to play. Well, and you look at, like, Boston's a good example. Like, uh, who was it that went down? Well, I guess Marchand and, and Bergeron both missed games. And they just plugged that, that Bjorkstrom on their top line for a bit. Dan Heinen played with their top guys for a bit. You mean Bjork? Is it Bjork? Who am Be- I thinking isn't, of? Andreas? It, yeah, I think so. Bjork? I, th- I think Borg, Bjorkstrom's in Florida, right? We're embarrassing ourselves here. Nah, it's okay. I've been watching Boston a lot more in the lead up and it's I've been very very impressed with their young guys like I think like a Ryan Donato could be a huge factor in the series he's only played like 21 NHL games his dad was a good a pretty good NHL player Doesn't his, wasn't his dad like a coach yeah Ted Donato was was a good uh good player though like he played I think he played I, I would guess seven eight hundred games in the NHL yeah Bjork I don't know why I thought Bjorkstrom I've been watching like some videos and stuff of anyway it's at Henrik Bjorkstrom. Yeah, it's going to be really good for Florida. So many, anyway. Um, Bjork, I just think of the singer. But so, like, they're not at that hey, point yet. Oh, God. Do you like Bjork? No. <laughs> good voice, though. Um, but so, like, what's different, even from last year, like, I, I wrote something about kind of the differences in this year's team versus last year's team. There was no, like, Andreas Janssen last year. No, like not even, and even even Captain Matt Martin better. played every game. Matt Martin played every game, right? Which is, and now he's like their sixteenth forward who dresses a defenseman. I think I think we should do a lightning round because we got. I asked for for what we should talk about on Twitter, and sure. we got a really really good one. And I'm gonna so I'm gonna throw a bunch of these at you, and I think it's gonna be interesting. Okay. So, uh, a user named Chris Winkles, C Winkles, on Twitter says for the series against Boston, the over under for games played. You ready? For, okay. Matt Martin, one point five under. I would say under. I two. don't think he'll play all the. I well, don't unless they suffer like a rash of injuries. I don't think he plays. Connor Carrick, two point five. Unless there's an whoa, what was that? Stop oh. putting up the autoplay ads in the background. It was hockey DB. Stop um, it. What was the? You could need an ad blocker. I think I, I thought I had one. Okay. Anyway, who is it? Connor Carrick. Connor Carrick, two point five. Under. I would say under, like maybe two games if what happens with... Like, Unless there's an injury, I don't think he's playing. Well, it's going to depend if Polak's really bad. If they exploit Polak really bad in the first like three games, it's probably going to be a long series. It's going to be six or seven games. I series. just can't see Babcock taking him out. Curtis McElhaney, 0.5 games. Under. I'm going to say, I mean, he... I mean, only if Anderson gets pulled. Right, which could happen. Or gets hurt. Which... Andreas Janssen, 2.5. That's a hard one. <laughs> these are really good. So he's not going to play game one. That's why we're doing these because they're good. If if I looked at them and this guy's this guy's out to lunch with his numbers, then I wouldn't. We wouldn't be doing it. I'll say over. 
Although I'm fascinated to see what they do. Because I think there's a possibility, as much as people look at Leo Komarov as the guy that he would replace, I think there's a world where he replaces Kapanen. And like I've, I've thought for a while, knowing Babcock's uh, affinity for Komarov, that there is a... I could make a case that right now, today, Janssen gives them more than Kapanen does. I think he does more I think things. he gives them more than both of those guys. Yes, I agree. I love him on the power play. I agree. And I think he can be a good penalty killer, but I'm just thinking like... I think Janssen has better doing. hands than Kapanen does. Yes, I think he is. I think he's more skilled. He's better with the puck. He can play in their power play. He helps that second power play. He can he can play up and down the line. You know what's interesting is that Janssen played that kind of... Uh, what would you call it? That same role on the power play for the Marlies. Like, that's where he was being groomed was this kind of like the cadre, like, bang in the slot kind of role. Yeah, which they can use. He's He's got better hands than I was expecting. He has better hands than Kapanen. Yeah. Better shooter. Like, Kapanen has kind of, like, his 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 mind can't keep up with his feet sometimes. Yes. Um, I'm not done yet. Kapanen, two and a half games. Probably, probably over. Yeah. Dominic Moore, half a game. Under. He's not going to play. No Dominic Moore. Unless uh, if I, one hurt. center gets hurt, they probably play him. Right, but I can't foresee that. Roman Polak, four and a half games. Over. Huh. Okay. Do you want to keep going? Sure. Over under for points. Okay. Austin Matthews, seven point five. Seven point five. Eight points is a lot. Yeah. I'll say over. Like I, no, I can't say over. They're they're gonna face Bergeron too much. But the the X factor in some ways could be that power play. Like, if they've got their swagger back on the power play, like, that's suddenly an avenue where they could score. He's got Marner and Nylander with six and a half. The series is going to be six or seven games, so I would say probably one of those guys gets more than six and a half points, and one doesn't. Well, who do you think, if you had to pick a leading scorer by the end of the first round, who would it be? Matthews. Yeah. If, like, everyone's all high on Marner and Nylander and everything right now, if you do points per game or goals per game, Matthews is, oh, Matthews is crushing all of them. Yes. Well, he's It's like, not close. If you do... Goals per 60, he's, like, crushing almost everyone in the league. And Matthews is going to play. I bet he's going to play 19 and a half minutes a game. Like, his minutes are going to go up. He's, he's, Matthews is an animal. Like, well, and, and people, like, we haven't seen it yet, but, like, he's he, going to have a 50-goal season. And yes. We're going to be well, talking about Matthews in a much different way. And if, that's why when you look at, like, this year's team and last year's team, all their, their second-year guys are way better. Right. And Matthews him, was great in the all. series last year. Didn't he have four goals against the Capitals in yes. six games? But this is a harder matchup. Yeah, okay. yeah, but he's better. Yeah, Cadre uh, five and a half. I mean that. I, I would say over, but and JVR five and a half. Yeah. It's really interesting. I, I you know I don't know how low scoring the series is going to be. It's that's going to fall to how good the goalies are. I think the Rask has not had a great year. Anderson has not been great since February. If the goalies are. If the goalies are just okay, this might be a higher scoring series than people think. Like these aren't the old Bruins. Like they're 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 better defensively than the Leafs, but they're a pretty high scoring team. Well, they're fast. And they're I bet you we're going to get some games in the series that are five four or four three. I well, be- if you look during the regular season, most of the games were like that. It was like four one Leafs, four three. I think it's going to be great to watch. I don't I don't necessarily think this is going to be two nothing games. Now, do you think it matters that that Anderson struggled down the stretch? Like, do you, or do you think it resets and like because he wasn't. Great, I don't recall in the second half last year in April. He wasn't good in the playoff series, really. I mean, Holpe outplayed him. Holpe outplayed him in that series. That was one of the reasons. That was one of the differences in why they lost. Well, and you know what's else? What else is interesting is like the Toronto penalty kill the last little while. Oh yeah, started to leak a little bit. Yeah. Now I don't know if Dom got into that in the preview. Does that carry over? I don't know. 
don't, I don't really like the penalty the Leafs penalty kill that much. Like I know that their it's percentage was their, their percentage was good, but it's not that hard to argue with the. I mean, well, it's two straight years where they've had like a top. I don't know where they finished, but they're. The I think they finished like eighty one percent, didn't they? Yeah, which is which okay. is it's which is pretty solid. decent. But they just seems like they give up a lot. Yeah, Babcock seems all about quality chances on the power on the penalty kill. Like he doesn't really care that. Yeah, the, they, shot, the shot attempts. He does. I don't think they care no. much. No, the shot attempts are bad. So they finish. All right, thanks for the over unders there, Mister Winkles. Tied for tenth with it, Vegas. Maybe I'll retweet the Winkle. Winkle. Do you know what I'm curious about going to the series is um, Toronto power play. Obviously, Boston has a really good penalty kill, but. Yeah, we'll see if they can adapt. The, the the key with a in a playoff series, the thing that I saw that that I really saw in the Leafs Washington series last year was how the Capitals, how a really good coach and good and smart players adapted to the Leafs. Because remember that series was really close, one goal, and then the Capitals pulled away in Game Five and Game Six. Yeah, maybe even Game Four. I think four five. They won four well, five six. Didn't at what they? Point did they change the matchup? They started, I believe. Yeah, they started with Olsner against Olsner and Carlson against. Was the, it Alzner and Carlson or Alzner and... Yeah. Yeah. Alzner and Carlson against... Because it went to Orlov Niskanen. I just remember being in the ACC dressing room talking to Niskanen about what was different and what they changed after the matchup. I think it was game four that it changed. But, I, I, like, let's remember, Boston's got some injuries, too. Yes. Not two, because the Leafs don't really Well, have. they've been... They've had a bunch of guys banged up. Like, But they lost Brandon Carlo for the year. He had... McAvoy's been hurt. Four. McAvoy's hurt. Um... I mean, Carlo's not. They they also acquired. Didn't they acquire Holden? Didn't they bring him in? Like they've added some pieces on, but McQuaid and Holden are gonna have to. Rick Nash. Yeah, Nash has been hurt. They're they're an old team. The Bruins are probably one of the three or four oldest teams in the league. Like they have a lot of guys that are over thirty. Wow. So Bergeron's thirty two. Krejci has got to be somewhere in the same ballpark. Brian Gionta brings your. Your age. But I just counted how many guys are 30 plus, and it's like nine or something that are going to play. Yeah, but like Pasternak's young, Debruska's young, Heinen's young, Corrali's young, McAvoy's young. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah, they're kind of split, right? They're yeah. kind of like they've got a lot of young guys, and then they got a lot of guys that are 30 plus. Well, and how old's Chara? 41. Yeah. He just turned 41. Yeah. Well, and you know what's, what's He's good, different? but he's not. Okay, so that's a He's big not five years ago, Chara. Yeah, so remember, he was. He was an animal that Well, series. and remember how hard Randy Carlisle worked in that one game in Boston to get Kessel away from Chara. That's not as big of a thing now. It's more to get him away from Bergeron. Bergeron's career is, like, fascinating when you think about it. Like, remember Another second early round in his pick, career? Right? Is he a second-round pick? Pretty sure, yeah, I'm almost certain. But remember early in his career, he had the concussion, and, then, like, there were questions about, like, what his career was going to look like. He had that really good yeah. start, then he got hurt. Well, it looked like he wasn't going to play again yeah. at one point. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Like oh, yeah. he's a great, great player. Two gold medals, Stanley Cup winner. I mean, he's not going to have the points, but the thing is, forty fifth overall. I mean, he'll be one of the best second round picks ever. Yeah. It. You know what it is? Is that like in junior he wasn't, and the other thing too is that he made the NHL at eighteen years old. He was drafted and he went right in, and it's that first year he had forty points as a second. Like, how many second round picks make the NHL right away? Not Hardly any. Yeah. His second NHL season, he had 73 points and 31 goals. 05-06. I mean, he's like, you know, he's a star. 
I know he's only got 734 career points, but, you know, who cares? Is there a guy like you're looking at going to the series as kind of like a, a sleeper or a... I don't like the term X factor because I don't know what the hell that means. On the other team or on the Leafs? Or on the Leafs, like just someone like who you think could play a bigger role than maybe we're expecting. Like you know who I'll, I'll pick a guy while you think about it. I could see Gardner. Yeah, that's kind of that's actually what I was guy. thinking. I think, like you said in your piece, having him on the second pair well, means he can do a lot more damage. Yeah. It seems like he shoots the. I don't. I don't I haven't looked at the numbers. It seems like he shoots the puck. Like he's, his offensive game has really come. I remember when Gardner was first coming in with the Leafs and he was playing with the Marlies and talking to Dallas Aikens and he's like, he's going to be a really good NHL player. I don't know that he's ever going to produce a lot of points. Well, because Dallas's thing used to be that there's a, this media thing where because a guy, I don't even think it's it might even go beyond media where a guy skates really good, so people think he's a good offensive player. And the guy he used to talk about in that way was like Carlo Koliakovo. Like people would look at him and be like, "Man, like he's a really good skater. He's a really he, he's going to produce a lot of points." He never did, like, because he wasn't that skilled or that good offensively. Do you know what I mean? And I think there was that that perception with Gardner that would he put it all together? Well, they loved the way he skated, and they yeah. just didn't know about his. I think his mind for the game. But and it's it's weird now. Now you think of his mind for the game, and like it's come. It's come, but like he's he still makes like the odd play where you're like, what do you, what what? Well, I love I love the way Babcock talks about him as the best. He's like sometimes you don't know what he's doing out there. But then like he makes these plays where like only if you have a really high hockey IQ. Well, do you see the, the story play. Scott Wheeler did about him in the second last game of the right. year was about he asked Gardner about that cutback play on the on the blue line. Mm-hmm. I think that created the goal, didn't it? And, like, not very many players in the league would do what he did. He was under pressure, and he's, like, riding the blue line. And then all of a sudden, it cra- but the other the other team's like, what the fuck is, like, what is this guy doing? What's going on? Like, what is what is Jake Gardner doing? And then the puck's in the net. So he does that both ways. Yeah. It's almost like he thinks he can get away with certain things and then... But then, so, like, Wheeler talked to him, and he's like, yeah, I probably wouldn't do that again. It's like, but you probably would. Like, you're Jake Gardner. That's, like, you do do that. Yeah, I don't even think he like. I think it's just all instinct. I don't even think he like process. I don't think he yeah. thinks like the risk reward. He just kind of like. I think that probably is what makes him good, is that because like I said, not, other teams don't know what to do. But like his emotional thermometer is always pretty even. Like he's, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's he, under pressure. He's not. I can picture hundreds of years of Gardner ancestors sitting in Minnesota by a lake fishing or something and like they're like they're just like the emotion yeah you're right they're like his like he doesn't get like when he's under pressure he just feels the same way as when he's not under pressure so you know what i mean like it doesn't change the way he makes plays yeah i don't know if that makes sense it's been interesting watching these guys get get older and play on so many different kinds of teams and well i mean even like it's it's top of mind for me because i just wrote about it but like even riley in in one year the way things were last year and i don't know how much of that it's weird like you look at what happened for him last year where he gets taken off the top pair a lot of it looked like it was just goaltending like there was just a stretch where it just like every puck every good chance was going in and he was playing with zaitsev who we both agreed is not as good as maybe the leafs seem to think he is not only that but in your riley story you had a, a chart that showed the point production and it was like power play points last year five power play points this year 30 or, or whatever point. i mean it's like the most of the difference in points was just that yeah but it was like his points per minute went up um but he's better and i do think hainsey is an upgrade over matt hunwick 
Oh, yeah. Hunwick can't even get in in Pittsburgh. Right, which is pretty crazy. And that's essentially the choice that both teams made, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hunwick got three years there. I don't... I think Pittsburgh was thinking, you know what, like, thanks for your service, Hainsey, but you're slow, and, like, this isn't the way the game's going. Hunwick's mm-hmm. a bit... Hunwick's a better skater than Hainsey. Hainsey's not a great possession guy, but he... He's good. I watch him closely a lot. He's really smart. Yeah, like he, he gets to the spots where he needs to. He's he looks like he's stick, clomping he around well. out there, like the way he yeah. skates. But he, yeah, he's he really good with his, his stick. Well. He's yeah, good with his stick, he's long. But he's like not pretty. But he, I, I remember earlier in his career when Hainsey was a guy that was playing more on like second pairs and stuff. His possession numbers were always really good, and for whatever right reason, he bounced all around. But. He was a guy that always seemed underrated and the analytics guys always liked, like when he was in Columbus and when he was in, you know, I heard Doug McLean talking on, on, on the radio one day saying he was never like this in Columbus. But I remember like, you know, you look at the analytics and people were saying, people liked Hainsey, you know, the numbers guys liked Hainsey. So I don't think that this has been like, I just think he was one of those guys that kind of went under the radar. Well, and he's being used extremely defensive purposes right now. Yes. He's not an offensive player. Kills a ton of penalties. Um, I think he had a 40-point season, didn't he, at one point? So do you know how much in front he was of the next closest guy, penalty-killing minutes-wise? Like, he had, like, 319, and the next closest guy had, like, 260. Right. It's insane how much they used him. Right. He plays a lot of minutes for 37 years old. I don't know why they didn't. I was at that game in Brooklyn, and it's like, yeah, I don't why did they do this? Why did they play him 23 minutes? Because you don't change, you don't completely change the way you use your lineup at game but it'd be easy game. to dial him down a little bit but by doing what does that mean like putting Carrick and whomever out there against just, top lines like what do you do well, I mean like if the game doesn't mean anything then who the fuck cares well like, then you just don't play him either you play him or you don't play him I, I think you could have made a better case of just not playing him but like Hainsey's not going to go out there and like oh I'm against the third line not the first line uh, like no, but you're my saying, game's all off but, 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 if anything you'll give him confidence because no, he'll be out there against weaker players but you're changing the structure of your bench and you just don't no you're not you're still, you still have the same bench you're just putting them out maybe you roll the lines more than you did. You did that's that what just, I would do that just to me doesn't maybe you line match less that doesn't make any sense to me well we'll see if he looks like a, he's breaking it down it here to me it would have just made sense not to play him a couple of games I don't. He strikes me as a guy that wouldn't let them do that. Like I know for sure, Marlo wouldn't let them do that. Oh, Mar- well, Marlo's played like seven hundred straight games. Marlo's like the bionic man. He could be an interesting guy in the playoffs. I know there's been like this sneaky, not sneaky, but people are talking to him about not winning a cup, and this could be his best chance to mm-hmm. win a cup. And you and I were talking about it before. What does he say to that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I haven't listened. I can't imagine he has much to say on the topic. But like he was on some really, really good San Jose teams that didn't win. And this is really why he came to Toronto. Like He looked at this team as kind of his best shot to win. And obviously they gave him a third year. I, I have a ton of respect for God. I mean, I know he got more money in more years and stuff too. But sure. well, he had been there year. so long, he could have just... He could have just been, you know what, I'm comfortable here. This is the end of my career and whatever. But I respect the guys that, you know... Was he 38? 38, you uproot your whole... He's got four kids. You uproot your family. His wife's American. You bring them all up here. It's That's not an easy transition. No. He's a perfect guy to play here, though. And he's a perfect guy to play for Babcock. Well, he just does, because of his he doesn't really give a he's shit. He's low-maintenance as like, they can. But people say that he chokes in the playoffs and under pressure yeah, and whatever. So numbers, that's not right. true. Well, that often happens. Um, that often happens because it doesn't. He doesn't get rattled by it's, this. It's, do you know what happens? I think, and we got to wrap up. Um, but it's like I think media narratives start to set in. The Sharks are expected to be good. They they disappoint. They don't win a cup, 
and people look at Marlowe, they look at Thornton, and they're like, well, these guys can't win. And it's never just that. You know what I mean? Like, did Marlowe and Thornton just suddenly learn to win when they played on Team Canada? Because they had better players. Like, they had better teams. Do you know what I don't know if I'm making sense. Well, I think here's here's my take on the Sharks. Not every good team can win in a 30-team league. There's a lot of good teams. There's like right. seven good teams. They were good for a long time. Not all seven of those are going to win a cup, especially when you have a dynasty like Pittsburgh and Chicago are both there. Yeah, that's true. You know, San Jose ran up against Chicago a bunch of times. Chicago was just a little bit better. It doesn't yeah. mean San Jose's bad. It just means San Jose, you know, yeah. it just means Chicago's a little bit better. And, you know, like you not... Not everyone. There can only be one Chicago, or maybe two, if you include Pittsburgh. L.A. came in there. Like San Jose, the West was so good for a lot of those years. They did what like most teams would want to do. They were a contender every single year. Right. And then they, they could have won a cup. I remember well, picking I mean, them to win the cup a couple of times. Well, I remember was it uh, against L.A. where they were down three zero? Am I remembering this right? Or yeah, that sounds opposite? that sounds from no. Yeah, back? San Jose was up three zero, and then L.A. Right. beat them. Well, that doesn't help with the media narrative. Right. San Jose had a couple of... Yeah. And they didn't make the third round very often. Yeah. Only once or twice. Well, other than... other, And then they went to the final that one year. Yeah. I think he was smart to get out of San Jose because I look at their roster now and it looks like they're on the downswing. Like, there's a lot of talk they're going to try and get John Tavares. Failing that, like, they don't have a lot of young stars coming, so... Yeah. Well, and their best guys are getting up there. Right. Like, Joe Pavelski's 32-ish. Right. Logan Couture's, like, Kadri's age. It'll be interesting to see what Marlowe does. I mean, he's kind of like their ninth best forward or something right now. Like yep. he's he's a depth guy on this team, regardless of what his contract is and his experience and whatever. Well, and, and one more thing before we go, like this this year, why it's really important is they're going to lose tons of pl- like depth. Like the team that they have next year won't be this deep. There's no way it is. Um, how could it be? Well, unless they bring back all Komarov's worse than guys they got already waiting in the depth. Komarov doesn't God, doesn't crazy. doesn't matter. Yeah, you're a big pronunciation guy. Well, it's how you pronounce it. Broadcasters seem to call him Komarov anyway. Bozak. I mean, they're going to get bring in another center. This put possible they bring in a better center than Bozak. Possible, yeah. JVR is the tougher one. They have tons of cap space. Like I we like everyone's saying this is going to be a weaker lineup next year. I think the Leafs are going to be better next year. Yeah, maybe. They have like $18 million in cap space. Yeah, but suddenly you take some of the depth that they have and you pull it up and then you're not as deep. But some of that depth is like, how do you want to say it? Uncle Leo. I'm just going to call him Uncle Leo. No, but like I'm saying, like so suddenly you don't have Andreas Johnson. He's in your lineup. You know good. I mean? Yeah, that's good. You're better. Yeah, I, I, I you got better. I can see where you're going. That's fair. Yeah. There's Some of the depth that's coming is going to be Grunstrom and you know Dermot can play more. Yeah, and they probably... Kapanen can play back. more. Yeah, maybe you're right. I just... I look at how much cap space they have, and they... Sh- like, th- there should be no excuse for them not to be better next year. Yeah, but using cap space... Having cap space and using it wisely and getting right players... Like, if your third-line center is Paul Stastny, he's better than Bozak. You really think they're going to sign Paul Stastny? What are they going to do at third-line center? I don't know. Like, I, don't, I can't see them committing four years, five years to a 32 year Not from two. Why would he take that? He's the top center, or the second best center on the market. Anyway, we should wrap. You Maybe he wants to win. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe he wins and wins. I still got time. What else? You got anything else to talk about? I got... I just got to make sure your parking is enough. Do you want to talk a little bit about I extended the, it. some of the numbers? Isn't that amazing, that parking app? Toronto parking app? It's the best. Yeah, except it logged me out right now. What about the numbers? Dom did a piece for The Athletic... Um, 
What there, that's what I got. Left. I got 13 minutes and 45 seconds left on my parking, so I need five minutes to walk over there. So I got five minutes. Okay. So what do you? What about the numbers stood out to you? Boston was noticeably better than Toronto. That stood out to me. That you know, you know where Dom, you know where Dom, which position he said the Leafs have the biggest advantage, goal. That su- that surprised me. I'm not sure I buy that. Rask is. I guess it's just based on the last. I think it's based on the last three years, and it's regressed heavily to where this year's more. He, he, Anderson's had better years last year and this year than Rask. Yeah, but Anderson. Rask is even getting old. It's crazy as that sounds. I don't look at that as like a major advantage for them. If it's an advantage, neither do I. But if you look at just the data, you ask what stood out. That's stood out. That's not something I thought. The other thing that stood out is what we talked about. The Bruins' first line is better than the Leafs' first line. The Leafs' advantage was in the second line. Right. Third line, kind of a wash. Fourth line, kind of a wash. Well, that's, that's why that that's top what... line is so important. But I also think that fourth line could be important for the Leafs, too. Especially when you compare it to what it was last year. It's hard Especially to see. Especially when you compare it to what it was three months ago. But we just haven't... Blakanich hasn't generated anything. No, he's the one that Uncle Leo hasn't generated anything. Like, I, I'm a bit... That well, fourth, fourth line, line might is... not... And the other thing, too, is that the Bruins, like, it, we don't know what their lineup's going to be. I don't think for sure. Sure. That fourth line, and Ian Tullock wrote a piece for The Athletic, and he's right. It's just a better fourth line when Janssen and, and Kapanen are on it. It's just faster. It's more threatening. I can see why Bourne loves that guy. He's my new favorite Leaf to watch. Well, he's just relentless. He's a little buzzsaw Mike, out there. Mike is going to... Well, he loves him already. He's like, he doesn't really talk effusively about young players. Babs is trying to dial it back. He's trying to contain his glee. I don't think so. He's been pretty contained the behind the podium. It's it's got to be tough for him. He loves Komarov. Yeah. So what do you do? But Uncle Leo's looking old, man. Like well, he is. He was never that fast to begin with, and like you lose a step at thirty-one, it happens. That guy's such never a great skilled. character and such a like. I don't know. He's it's been fun to cover Komarov, but I think Komarov. Komarov. Kom. Like a comb. Like a comb. Very good. All right. That's that's all we got. We're going to try to do this. Playoffs! After every game. We're flying to Boston tomorrow. Yeah. So the plan, and hopefully this We're going to try. It might not work. But. We're going to try to do something after every game at some point. Uh, like a 20-minute short. Probably in the morning, thing. the cool. day after. Because well, we have to write till like 1 or 2 in the morning. So yeah. We'll see about the morning. You like to sleep. Well, we'll see. And we, we're going to have early flights. And- so either way, stay on the lookout for more podcasts. And thank you, as always, for listening. I done grew around some people living their life in bottles. Granddaddy had the golden flask. Backstroke every day in Chicago. Thanks for tuning in to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. That was my problem. I was in a dark room. Loud tunes looking to make a vow soon. That I'm going to get fucked up filling up my cup. I see the crowd mood changing by the minute. And the record on repeat. Took a sip, then another sip.